to the NFL. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rookie Rundown. It is a little bit late at me posting this this week. I was having some scheduling conflicts with my guest. I had rescheduled to this Monday to do it with said guest, and then he was unable to do today as well. So I am riding solo, Um, but I've had this one stockpiled. I've had some research done on it, so I'm going to go ahead and do a fun little segment. It's going to be a quick one and a little bit shorter than our typical time together, but I am going to do a little piece called 32 rookies in under 32 minutes. So my plan is to touch on a rookie specifically from the first week of training camp on every NFL team that is relevant for your rosters, whether or not it is this year or long-term based off of the camp that we are uh, camp news that we're hearing basically. Um, So I'm going to be once again, going through every single team. There are some in here where there are absolutely no relevant rookies whatsoever. And so I've doubled down on a couple of other teams to make up for those two to three missing rookies for the classes that really just didn't draft any skill positions or bring in any undrafted free agents that are relevant to your teams. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get this started with the NFC East. And like any good timing show, I'm going to hold myself accountable to a good old timer. So diving into the NFC East, we are going to go ahead and start with the first minute and we are going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. So Devonta Smith, Obviously drafted number seven overall to the, uh, sorry, not seven overall, number 12 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles is a player that has been getting a lot of buzz in training camp. So it's someone that everyone is a little bit nervous about, mainly due to the weight, the size. We've talked about it all off season, but based off the camp reports, we are seeing nothing but positive reviews Um, through four days of Eagles training camp. He has burned every single DB on the team, constantly drawing praise from the likes of Darius Slay and even some of the faster corners on the team, because Slay isn't really known for being a speedster, just more of a tracking guy, a physical cornerback, but still very high and elite at his position. Devonta Smith is quote unquote uncoverable. His double moves, his slots, Uh, slot reps, his slants over the middle, pretty much everything associated with this guy right now is screaming. He's going to be successful not only in his first year in the league, but for years to come. So he should be buying now. And our second minute, our second team, we're going into the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Not a lot of skill position weapons associated with the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. But what we do have is one wide receiver in a somewhat crowded wide receiver core. And that man is Semi Fahoko out of Stanford. So he is the prototypical height, weight, speed guy. Um, He is sitting right around 6'4", right around that 215 range. And he actually ran a sub 4440 at his pro day at Stanford. He was Davis Mills' prime target this last year with basically everything we've seen production-wise of Davis Mills. Um, He is constantly known for beating guys both over the top, deep on speed routes, and over the middle. His route running is pretty nice, but what we've been hearing from Dallas training camp is that he's nowhere even close to the top five wide receivers currently on the team. There's a couple of second-year guys on the team that are impressing quite a bit more than Semi Fajoko, so I fear that he is one of those prototypical height-weight speed traps and that he's not impressing at all. Our third minute in the league is looking at the NFC East team, the Washington football team. We're talking about a guy dear 
uh, sorry, not dear, near and dear to my heart. And that man is Deami Brown out of North Carolina. Um, he was the running mate to another rookie wide receiver for my Chicago Bears in Daz Newsom and is known primarily as a deep threat. And what we have seen with Mr. Gunsling, Ryan Fitzpatrick thus far, is that he is loving having this guy on his team. He's basically what he had with a younger Deshaun Jackson for a couple of years earlier in their career down in Tampa Bay and is pretty much identical to what you're looking for for that deep threat player on the outside to really round out the wide receiving core. Outside of Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, there's really not a lot of proven talent on the team. You have Kelvin Harmon who's sitting out there as a big-bodied wide receiver and then Logan Thomas over the middle, but they're looking for that game-changing deep speed because Terry McLaurin is becoming that possession wide receiver, so they're looking for that game stretcher. Diami is that guy this season. Minute number four and rounding out the NFC East is the New York Giants. We're talking about everyone's favorite punching bag, mine as well, in Kadarius Toney. Um, he has done nothing this offseason but hurt his stock in Dynasty, his overall outlook on the team, and really just making everyone that thought Dave Gettleman may have deserved the benefit of the doubt on this pick reconsider it. There's been a long list of things that have been hurting Kadarius Toney's stock and Basically, here's the list. Um, shoes. Started off with the wrong cleats the first couple of days in training camp, which caused a foot injury and specifically a toe injury that caused him to then miss a couple of days of rookie training camp. In between rookie training camp and the overall start of training camp the last couple of days, he had a contract dispute, which he refused to basically show up for any type of team activities for six days, was not in contact, all over a dispute, which is weird because it's a slotted role. And now he is on the COVID protocol, causing him to miss time. You should be fading Kadarius Tony in all dynasty formats. After the NFC East, we're going to go ahead and go with the AFC East. Diving into a team with not a lot of rookie skill position players, we're looking at a lot of second-year players, specifically running backs for the Buffalo Bills and the division winners. But the one of interest to me is actually one of my favorite wide receivers from the pre-draft process, and that was Marquez Stevenson out of Houston. Um, The way I saw Marquez Stevenson honestly coming out of college was identical to a John Brown clone. So with Marcus Stevenson, you're getting deep speed, 4-3 speed, consistent hands. Health has been the one thing that's basically held him back in a similar vein of the John Brown. Um, But with the leaving of John Brown in that offense in Buffalo, they are still looking for the deep speed. Bringing in Emmanuel Sanders is a possession wide receiver. Gabriel Davis is a strider, but is not known as a quick burner that will get behind you and make you pay downfield. So he has immediately a one-on-one battle with third-year Isaiah McKenzie, something I'm not concerned about. The second team in the AFC East I'd like to dive into is the New England Patriots. Um, A lot of rookie news, and you guys guessed it, it's all about the quarterback position. Uh, Mac Jones looks sharp. Um, We've seen a lot of camp throws and everything like that. Everyone's pumping him up. But what people are not honestly showing you at the same time is the equal impressive throws and the running ability that's happening right now with Cam Newton in this offense. Right now, Cam Newton's hitting pretty much everyone. He's throwing deep bombs that we honestly didn't see very often, and I'm starting to think more and more that it really was the wide receiver core of the last couple years in New England that was holding back this offense. Nelson Aguilar continues to be the favorite target for both of the quarterbacks in their little battle that they're having in camp right now. But there's quite a bit of spreading around. Nikhil Harry looks pretty good, I know. Seems like a trope, seems like a trap. Um, But the wide receiver options right now are there. Honestly, though, unless Cam gets injured, he just brings the athletics 
ability that we do not see from Mac Jones. So I see Mac Jones being relegated to the bench for the foreseeable future. Um, The next team to come up is the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins actually brought in quite a few skill position players this offseason and have quite a few returning ones. Um, The one that they drafted of most notable nature is that of Jalen Waddell at number six overall, that trade back up with said Philadelphia Eagles, um, taking a player I think that would have helped the offense a little bit better in Devonta Smith with the Eagles and in turn trading him in for Jalen Waddell, a speedster and honestly a very similar player to a guy like Will Fuller that they had already brought in in free agency this offseason. Now, although Will Fuller is currently dealing with a slight injury, shocker to no one, and does have that first game suspension, uh, the overall incumbent return of the slot man Albert Wilson, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs and an opt-out from the 2020 season, has been absolutely lighting up training camp, as well as Robert Foster, everyone's favorite Buffalo Bill from a few seasons ago. That, in turn, makes me think that there is a limited role coming for Jalen Waddle specifically this season, if Albert Wilson continues this dominance. Moving on to the last team in the AFC East, we are looking at the New York Jets. And honestly, one of the most exciting offenses I think that we're going to be looking at this year in the NFL. The Wilson to Elijah Moore connection is real, and I honestly think it's here to stay, folks. Um, That hype, though, is something that's actually pushing down the stock of the true number one target throughout camp that is getting some buzz, but people are just kind of glossing over when they see those rookie notes in there with these two players, and that's Corey Davis. Um, He's attainable cheaply and honestly should be targeted in all formats in Dynasty. But over the long term, I think this is one of those partnerships that a lot of people always hope for in the early rookie and sophomore years is that you bring in a young wide receiver or a young tight end with your young quarterback in order to hope that these players are going to grow together, prosper together, and eventually become dynasty relevant and fantasy relevant together. I think that is what's going to happen with Wilson and more. But honestly, this offense is just going to be fun, guys. Delving out of the AFC East, we are going to go ahead and take a look at the NFC North. Um, Always a fun division to look at, and we'll start with the reigning champs, as always, with the Green Bay Packers. Um, All the Aaron Rodgers drama is officially over, which would have seemed like an uptick to all of the current pieces that were on the team, unfortunately, for one rookie wide receiver with a lot of promise and an open role in this offense. That is no longer the case. Amari Rogers' stock for the 2021 season has all but plummeted. Um, I still think he is a good buy long-term, but the addition and bringing back of the incumbent Randall, uh, Randall Cobb from the good old glory days of the Packers wide receiver core is something that immediately kicks Amari Rogers to the curb as Cobb now slides in directly into the slot and gadget role that he has been in his entire career. Uh, this is the definition of a roster block basically for a guy that we had promise for i think you can buy him on the cheap right now specifically and i would suggest doing that but 2021 don't expect a lot of production from the player the second team as everyone knows is near and dear to my heart with the chicago bears justin fields in my opinion starts the second that the Chicago Bears drop below 500. Um, Now, granted, I do not think that is until a little bit into the season. They do have, arguably, um, based off of last year's stats, the most difficult NFL schedule based off of win percentages from last year. But their early schedule is not quite as daunting as their back-of-the-year schedule. A lot of people are predicting that they basically throw Andy Dalton to the Wolves week one, um, that Wolf pack leader being Aaron Donald, 
with the beta of Jalen Ramsey. But I honestly don't think that's the case. I think they're going to ride it out a couple of games with Andy Dalton. All the camp reports are sitting there lauding Justin Fields' performance and ability to absorb the offense early right now. But Andy Dalton has been pretty dominant with most of his passing reps. He has a very good connection with a lot of the first team players, specifically Allen Robinson. And that's something that we are going to see early and often. Our third team in the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, They brought in, as any of you Patreon members know, a person that I think immediately upgrades this wide receiver core. They've been searching for their wide receiver three for a couple of years now, and the guy that fits a role that basically neither one of the other two top targets in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson can fill is that of Mr. D.D. Westbrook. Now, D.D. Westbrook is coming off a torn ACL last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the beginning of the season and is something to monitor. But as of right now, he has basically locked himself into the punt returner role. He is healthy. All camp reports so far since he has joined the team have been pointing towards his success and his immediate connection with the quarterbacks. Um, The thing is that completely caps in a similar vein to Randall Cobb, the overall upside of Amir Smith-Marset. He's basically forgettable for all of 2021 with that DB signings. And although it is promising long-term. It's kind of hard to see where this team's outlook goes with the QB controversy of basically everyone getting entered into the COVID protocol because of Kellen Mond getting COVID. The last and final team is none other than the bottom basement dwellers of the Detroit Lions. Everyone's favorite 2021 random pick when they have no idea who to pick other than a volume play is that of Amon Ross St. Brown. And from all camp reports, he's basically doing exactly what he did in college, guys. Um, He's not dominating, but he's not disappointing. He's been very consistent, not flashy, but not explosive. He's not having basically any game-breaking touchdown plays, any plays that are close. I think he's had a couple basically where he hasn't been able to break the playing. He's made some good catches, but immediately gets tackled afterwards. He's just not that explosive space eater that you're looking for from the basically wide receiver position in an offense for our fantasy teams. And it's going to basically need him to gain Goff's outright trust and hopefully in that similar to the Cooper Cup or Robert Woods vein in order for him to solidify any fantasy relevance with that overall target share that we are looking at. Look at that, made that one in under a minute. So we're going to go ahead and springboard into the AFC North and we will be talking about our division winners from last season, the Pittsburgh Steelers first overall. Um, There's been a couple of offensive additions this offseason, specifically in the first two rounds in Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. Those two players the two, obviously, that I will be touching on, they're the most realistic. Najee Harris, in my book, is still the RB1, but he's had a pretty ugly camp thus far. He's proven that he can break away some big runs and that he is hard to tackle. Now, the pads are officially coming on, but his overall pass blocking apparently has been extremely suspect. He's been basically being tossed around by the backup Steelers um, defensive linemen basically and the linebackers that's something that's a little bit concerning to me if it's the backups although i guess we can take it with a grain of salt based off of how dominant the front seven of the sealers defense truly is um, backups have been wreaking havoc i think to me says a little bit more about the defense and then pat fryermuth has done basically nothing uh, we all knew he was going to be a fade this year with eric ebron still there but we're looking at prominence for a couple of years to come down so i'm not fading either one of the two The second team in this division is the Baltimore Ravens. Rashad Bateman, my wide receiver two, coming into this year, pre- and post-draft, is dominating the Baltimore defense. 
right now. All of the DBs cannot stay with him. Um, everyone's basically now seen the Marlon Humphrey absolute burner down the sideline. And the one thing that Marlon Humphrey has is the deep long speed and his physicality. Rashad Bateman on multiple routes, according to all the beat reporters that I've been looking at, has been absolutely torching Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, any of the safeties that get put on him, which is something that is amazing to see. I am super excited to see what he does against a less talented secondary, specifically looking at what he's going to do to Cincinnati's defense twice this year. Rashad Bateman is the real deal. Sammy Watkins has also looked good, and I think we're going to look at quite a bit of a revamped Ravens offense this season. So Rashad Bateman to the moon. The third team in this division is that of the Cleveland Browns. Um, The only player of note for me in this offense right now is that of Anthony Schwartz. Um, Burned basically a late second, early third round pick on Anthony Schwartz. Um, He's being utilized as that gadget player and deep speed guy that we all assumed he was going to be. And honestly, in a similar role and probably usage as what we saw with his time in Auburn. Um, He's not looking at a huge target share with guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry in front of him, but him and and Donovan Peoples-Jones, the second-year incumbent deep threat, are going to get basically an even share is what I'm projecting going into this season. He's burning past the DBs along with Donovan Peoples-Jones, and those two players, in my opinion, are going to round out the top five when you throw in a guy like Rashard Higgins into this offense. Um, With a run-first offense, I do think it limits the overall upside, but both of those guys are going to be best ball late-round plays in Dynasty um, that I would like for best ball purposes rather than Dynasty stashes. And the final team that we're going to go ahead and look at is that of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, looking at the Bengals, everyone wants to hear, basically, show me all the highlights of Jamar Chase. I want to see everything injected directly into my veins. I'm right there with you. He's shown that exact same chemistry that he's had with Joe Burrow this entire time since they were connecting up underneath that Joe Brady offense at LSU. Um, But I'm just going to be honest, guys. I think everyone's going to be eating this. I realistically think that this Bengals offense is about to wreck the NFL if they get even average line play. I'm just talking, give me 16th ranked offensive line play this season in the pass and run game. And I'm going to be freaking ecstatic to see every single one of these weapons. Tyler Boyd is a three is criminal getting T Higgins. Who's basically just the second incumbent of AJ green on the team. The dude's going to eat. I do think that honestly, this season we see a better fantasy season from T Higgins than Jamar chase, but we're going to see those splash plays that are going to keep basically in a CD lamb esque shape that uh, Jamar chase stock set to the moon. So that rounds out the end. Uh, sorry, AFC North. We're going to the NFC West. Now um, San Francisco, 49ers were the basement dwellers, but we'll go ahead and start with them. It was an injury playing season for them last year. And honestly, a lot of what we see is predicated on injury and overall consistency in this offense, whether or not this team immediately gets back to the Super Bowl. Their defense is elite when healthy, and their offense can be very consistent when the pieces are also healthy. The problem is you've had their star wide receiver up until last year, Debo Samuel, injured constantly and perennially. Their star-studded tight end group with Mr. George Kittle also injured constantly, as well as all their running backs. And then you have Jimmy Garoppolo's overall inconsistent play that has at times seen him benched for Nick Mullen and C.J. Beathard. Um, Realistically, everyone's looking for Lance to start week one. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think we could see him as early as week two. If Jimmy G even remotely struggles against the anemic Lions defense in week one, prep for that Lance leapfrog situation, guys, and get ready for Lance season. 
Going on to the Seattle Seahawks, the true winners from last year, we are looking at one guy of note, basically, and that is Wayne Eskridge, the second-round wide receiver drafted to basically fill that slot role that no one has been able to fill for the team. Um, The departure of a guy like David Moore last year is something that kind of went under the radar, but David Moore was also more of a field stretcher. So with them basically attempting to change their offense to actually have more crossing routes and over the middle work, as opposed to just shooting the ball downfield deep to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, the second coming of Calvin Johnson himself. Um, We're hoping to see a lot from Eskridge. The thing with Eskridge is that his toe injury and his pup designation could all but destroy any 2021 value and upside that you would see in dynasty even as a deep stash. So his lack of reps and the reliance on Everett over the middle is specifically what I think is going to hurt him. Um, Honestly, guys, I think Eskridge is a fade this year. I'm not really excited for his long-term value either. I wasn't huge on him coming in, but it's only a time-can-tell type of situation for me with Dwayne Eskridge. Looking at the Los Angeles Rams, um, it comes to, honestly, status quo from last year, guys. For me, um, Jake Funk, isn't a thing. I don't care what anyone says. Jacob Harris also isn't a thing. I don't care what anyone says. Um, the one highlight play we've seen from Jacob Harris all training camp and all offseason thus far has been a unblocked route that was a catch and a run down the side of the field. I've been doing that since I was five years old with my friends out on the playground. So it's not that exciting to me. Um, Tutu Atwell is completely invisible. He was both injured and is most likely looking at the pup to start the season or the COVID injury list. Um, He's dealing with a couple of different issues in a very similar vein to what we're dealing with. Tony Deshaun Jackson is going to wreck the Bears secondary week one and then immediately get hurt. So honestly, it's status quo that in Woods and Cup we trust. Another under one minute. That's a good one. Going into the Arizona and rounding out the NFC West, we are looking at Rondell Moore. Um, he's constantly seeing targets from Kyler Murray, according to camp reports, and is breaking away from DBs at will early on in training camp. This is one of the later training camps to start. It actually just started over the season, but the first three days so far have been absolutely electric for the pint-sized pioneer of the scat-back wild weapon position for the Arizona Cardinals. He fits a completely different role than what we've seen from the guys like Keyshawn Johnson, Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella's long speed, although comparable to what we're going to see from Rondell Moore. It's a long speed type of deal. It's not a quick shifty. And this is just something that you haven't seen from the offense. I've been preaching it basically from the second that he was drafted there, but Rondell Moore, Kyler Murray, um, read options out of the backfield are just going to be electric this year. Um, if what I'm seeing from all these camp tapes is actually real, although albeit the Arizona secondary is not that great. If Rondell is getting this consistently open, it's going to be a very interesting and very fun season from this guy. He is the basically second least talked about wide receiver out of this rookie class for me, and it is stock up all the way. Wow, I'm rolling now. So going into the AFC West, we're going to go with the reigning Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Coming off of three straight Super Bowl appearances, they are now losing some solid pieces that basically made this offense go, rather not um, whether or not basically we're looking at fantasy production, and that is Sammy Watkins. You're looking at a gaping hole, an average of around 90 targets a year, in this offense with Patrick Mahomes at the helm, 90 Patrick Mahomes targets for me is worth about double of what you're getting from about 70 to 75% of the league's quarterbacks. And you are looking at a replacing slot role, basically either going to the incumbent 
um, I'm blanking. Michael Hardman. This is going to be a long one. Michael Hardman or the uh, newcomer Cornell Powell. Um, from what we're hearing from camp, Cornell Powell is right, uh, basically relegating Demarcus Robinson to the wide receiver four and five position, and even making him a potential cut candidate based off of how we're seeing uh, Byron Pringle basically take that next step. Another rookie that's taking the place of another team without any is that of Noah Gray. Um, he's all but solidified himself as the tight end two position in the offense, although the low twelve personnel percentages have been limiting his total upside when you're looking at his long-term value so until Travis Kelsey is gone we're not looking at a huge breakout from Noah Gray but we could see this offense be even more efficient running out of the 12 personnel than what we've seen just based off of the hands that you're seeing off of the rookie our second team and our runners up in the division from last year are none other than the Las Vegas Raiders. So looking at the Raiders, there's absolutely no one of note on the Raiders from the rookie standpoint. Um, the Chiefs replaced, obviously, this one. Second-year players with their potential to make the leap are prominent all across the board, specifically from the wide receiver position. But um, as everyone knows that listened to last week, that's kind of my bust from the 2020 season was the overall wide receivers out of that class in Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. So the one thing that is coming out of camp is that with this offensive line shakeup, it's been pretty ugly. Um, the defense has been winning most of the camp battles thus far, which is saying something based off of how bad this defensive talent room actually is. The team outlook for 2021 is looking pretty bleak for me and not having any rookies might actually save quite a few teams from falling into the trap of using a potential wide receiver one that was drafted in this year's class. Looking at the Los Angeles Chargers, this is actually a pretty interesting one for me. So Josh Palmer's stock actually is not as high as I thought it would be based off of this time of year and what we're all anticipating from Justin Herbert in his second year leap. But he's honestly losing those wide receiver three reps quite a bit to the incumbent second-year player in Tyron Johnson. So I posted in our Patreon once again earlier this week about some camp thoughts, and Tyron Johnson is a late-round stash that I really like this year. Pretty much all the camp noise, the videos, any of the highlights that I'm getting from the physical team on their Instagram and Twitter account, I'm seeing Tyron Johnson making plays everywhere. Number 83, I asked myself constantly, who's 83? Who is 83? Who is this guy? Why does he keep making all these catches? Why are they pumping up? It's Tyron Johnson. Um, he's a guy I'd be looking at. Palmer may have some long-term value, especially especially if Mike Williams ends up leaving the team after this year. But right now, you're getting a deep speed aspect and threat that is not present in any of the other wide receiving threats on the Los Angeles Chargers from Tyron Johnson. So it's fade Josh Palmer for me. Um, the last team in the division is that of the Denver Broncos, and we're going to dive into Seth Williams. Um, he was a fan favorite for his contested catchability by a lot of different people last year, um, although he saw quite a bit later draft capital than a guy with similar production in college and a similar role, such as Nikhil Harry. They're not great separators and their contested catch players, but that is not a feasible role for wide receivers typically in the NFL. And thus I was out when he both lost the draft capital and really just didn't prove that he had any long speed at his pro day. With Seth Williams, he's basically non-existent in camp. He's overshadowed by last year's breakout. And honestly, one of my favorite wide receivers to watch constantly playing the Chiefs, and that was Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick has that role of the outside wide receiver basically matching up with our boy, 
you know him, Cortland Sutton. Speaking of Cortland Sutton, he's been pretty injured, um, obviously returning from that MCL and ACL of last year. He's looked pretty bad in camp is what all the reports are saying, and that's something that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, everyone's seen the video by now. If you haven't, go check it out. Just type in Cortland Sutton on Twitter. Um, his breaks do not look clean. Everyone's pretty disappointed with his overall progress on routes, and honestly, if he misses any time at all, it's Tim Patrick to the moon again for me. Super stupidly late and honestly most likely free in most of your drafts. Um, going on to the NFC South and the final um, two divisions of this uh, roster breakdown, we're going to go ahead and look at the Tennessee Titans. Um, not a lot of rookies. Honestly, there's been two wide receiver rookies that of note that were drafted. Um, one was in sixth round and one was in the fourth round. Um, the sixth round wide receiver is actually the one that I'm interested in right now. Racy McMath. Out of LSU, he's a fifth-year senior. Um, he's a late guy. He basically has the speed metrics and stuff like that. He just never was able to break out on the team. Um, when everybody was polled on the team, though, talking about their favorite player, basically the dog in the room, everyone was talking about Racy McMath. He's making a push for that wide receiver three in the offense. Um, he's had repeated big splash plays. And A.J. Brown actually said that he had quite a few qualities that he sees from a guy like Julio Jones and himself in the vein that they are just having that dog mentality, that physical mentality, and they are going to get that ball if it's even remotely a contested situation. So if Racy McMath makes the roster, this is a move that I would look to make in a couple of weeks when cuts start to happen. I would be very interested, and even if he were to lock on to another team's practice squad as a long-term play, he's someone that's interesting to me. Going on to the Indianapolis Colts, there is only one offensive weapon, really, of note, and that is our boy, or our man, sorry, Memphis's boy, Kylan Granson. Um, he's standing out at camp, but it's still not looking like he's getting many first-team reps, which is slightly concerning, but also not that shocking with Jack Doyle sticking around on the team and then a Mo Alleycock's breakout chant basically just being screamed by most of the guys that are associated with the Indianapolis Colts and fans alike. Kylan Granson is definitely one of those deep tight end stashes that I would look for in Dynasty to basically hold on to and hope that he progresses into something, that classic three-year hold period that we typically have for tight ends. But I'm not spending up for him. I'm not trading for him. It's a wait and see specifically because I want to see what Moali Cox does with the majority of the snaps at the position going forward. Um, the quickest one that I'm probably going to talk about is actually the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, this one is all about Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne, although... Um, not getting any bad reports. We're not getting any really good reports. Um, nothing about his route running, nothing about his catching ability. It's just kind of status quo. He's there. He's getting the first team reps split with James Robinson and a couple of Carlos Hyde carries sprinkled in. And it's just kind of looking ugly, guys. He's going to be passed around. But what I do like for the 2021 season is Trevor Lawrence. All the reports are glowing. He's running the offense apparently flawlessly. Now, we don't know what an, a flawless Urban Meyer offense looks like because um, it looks different every year. But as long as Trevor Lawrence is the one dishing the rock out to all of these offensive weapons that people are fighting over as to who likes who more, it's something that I'm very interested in for Dynasty and even the 2021 redraft season. So going on to the Houston Texans, one of my favorite things to talk about and look into actually is the Houston Texans offense because it's looking very interesting to me. Um, outside of Brandon Cooks, there's basically nothing of note that anyone has any idea as to who's going to actually be contributing. But there's two rookies that are constantly being run with the ones and one that's actually exclusively taking reps with the ones. And that is none other than Brevin Jordan, the fifth round pick out of the University of Miami. That tight end position has been bleak. The 
Um, honestly, guys, the horrible player. I know these guys are more athletic than I'll ever be, but the, from a fantasy aspect, Akins is the only person that was above him in any competition in the tight end room. And what we've seen from every single video, every single report and every beat reporter out there is them hyping up Brevin Jordan's ability to basically consistently catch the ball. And he's actually been doing quite a bit better in pass blocking than what we've been attributed to in his tape over the last couple of years in Miami. So I'm very excited for Brevin Jordan. I've been picking up, up pretty much everywhere across all fantasy formats and he's a player that is going to sneak into fantasy lineups for this year. So my tight end pick up right now for anyone in redraft super stupidly late, if you're going that zero tight end, might be Brevin Jordan just based off of all the training camp reports, all of the hype videos, and the fact that every time you see anyone on the field in a first-team rep, Brevin Jordan sitting out there in that number nine at the end of the line playing in the slot. He's exciting, and it's exciting for his production going in. <clears throat> looking into the last division and the final four teams, um, keeping right in track, we got four minutes, guys, is that of the Carolina Panthers. We're going to talk about what I think is the least talked about wide receiver in this rookie class, and that is Terrace Marshall. He's seeing most of his work out of the slot and is impressing in camp. At 6'3", 215, somewhere in that range, we're looking at a big man playing inside, a la a tight end, what you would see or what everyone's hyping up from a Jacob Harris for some reason. You're actually going to get that from Terrace Marshall. So we're looking at a potential monster on the inside for this Panthers offense. And as everyone knows, I guess we can never really tell if it was the Adam Gase or the Sam Darnold portion of that offense, but loved funneling balls to the slot wide receiver and going over the middle. But what we've seen from Sam Darnold's career is that him and the guys that go over the middle of the field are the ones that are basically going to be dominating the connection on a regular basis. And if Terrace Marshall is inside for Sam Darnold to have a big target to with consistent hands and breakaway speed, you could be seeing a much larger season from a guy like Terrace Marshall than it's projected, even behind guys like DJ Moore and the incumbent Robbie Anderson with that Matt Rule connection. So Terrace Marshall has the largest TD upside in the 2021 rookie class, as I've talked about on a couple of previous pods, and honestly is going way cheaper. So you can trade for him right now for dirt cheap prices. Um, I'll go ahead and tweet out a couple later on tonight so you guys can see just some of the average trades that I've seen for him. But Terrace Marshall is quietly going under the radar as a starting top three wide receiver on his team. And we're looking at arguably one of the biggest breakout seasons, most likely coming from a Carolina Panther wide receiver. A guy who most likely will not see the field at all is going into our next team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that is a Mr. Jalen Darden out of South Texas, uh, sorry, North Texas university. He compute, uh, continues to be my priority free agent signing of choice post-rookie drafts. He's been absolutely exploding all the way back in his rookie training camp days. And like I said, he has absolutely zero chance of making the starting lineup with the guys like Chris Godwin, AJ Brown, Mike Evans ahead of him, even Scotty Miller. But we are seeing him pushing Scotty Miller for that four spot. Realistically, he could be the team starting slot next year if we see an AB and Godwin exit in the offseason. And he's all but locked up all the return duties that you're associating with this team. So Jalen Darden is, like I said, my priority free agent pickup post-draft. He should be at the tail end of all of your rosters on your taxi rosters. Going into next year, guys, you're looking at a guy that most likely will see a lot of playing time inside and could be a very consistent target, seeing how even in this camp alone, just because because some of the other guys are sitting out getting rest. He's getting tons of work with Tom Brady and learning from other guys at the position. Another team with absolutely no rookies of note on their fantasy realm is 
New Orleans Saints. Um, with a complete shit show that is the wide receiver room, anything is possible. Um, although the only rookie wide receiver that's currently on the roster is that of K1 Barker out of, uh, sorry, K1 Baker out of South Alabama. And I wouldn't be buying into that offense at all, though, guys, uh, specifically at Dynasty at the moment, outside of maybe Winston, uh, James Winston on the cheap, just because there's a lot of talk of those split reps. And honestly, no one really knows what's going to go with Taysom Hill. There's a lot of people out there leaning into Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback, but I just don't see him being the quarterback all offseason. So if you can get James Winston on the cheap and Superflex specifically, I think now's the time to strike, especially since we're seeing a little bit of Taysom Hill hype from some of the beat reporters. The last and final team in this little roundup, I'm going to finish it in 40 seconds, is that of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, my guy all offseason, and as you guys know since I did the breakdown, is that of Mr. Javion Hawkins. He's had multiple long touchdown runs that have been completely gassing the defense so far in camp. Multiple reports over three days. He's broken at least three long 60-plus yard touchdowns where he's just basically burnt everyone on the outside and even one up the middle that where the defense just did not touch him, basically. And I understand it's training camp. You can't tackle, but usually you play that little game of patty cake tag. We're not seeing that. His game-breaking ability is something that all the other backs in the roster have lacked. And I stand pat my take that he will see a sizable role in this offense this season for 2021 Falcons, and you should be picking him up late. Boom. 32 minutes, 32 teams. We've gone through all the rosters, at least one per team, except for a couple that I just really don't think there's any uh, rookies on there, guys. But it was been a pleasure. It was a speed run. Um, I'm sorry if I talked a little bit fast for you, but I was trying to do a fun little rapid recap for you. I will be touching a little bit next week on the Hall of Fame game, any of the late round rookies that we're most likely going to see a lot of playing time on, anyone that stuck out to me. But football's officially back this week. Super excited about it, and I'm excited to see what we're going to get from these 2021 rookie class, specifically the production we're getting in their first years, and hopefully the advice I've been giving you guys so far is going to be relevant for your championship runs. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Salad Galore. If you're not a Patreon already for the DWZ Network Patreon, you need to be in there. Um, the groomy's always popping off. Uh, everyone's cracking jokes. Everyone's just making everyone better iron sharpens iron and wit sharpens wit so i'm just always excited to jump in there on a daily basis get my two cents in and laugh a little bit along the way um i'm signing off guys until next sunday peace out when we add up all those inches that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing won a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak